Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. You got a story. Say, you got a story to tell. Come on, you got a story to tell. Listen, Scripture... And following Jesus isn't just about the things that are happening in your life. And a lot of times, especially as consumers, as Americans, we kind of think, man, it's just really all about what, what, is, what has happened to me so I can have it, so I can enjoy this life. And listen, when the blessing... When the, when the blessing goes through you, it gets on you. Come on, let's just be real. We love that. But listen, as, as Christians... Our primary purpose is to love God and to love others. This is what Jesus laid it out very clearly in the great command. Lord, what, what is the greatest command? What are we supposed to do? Matthew 22, Jesus said, what? Love the Lord, right? First, because you can love people without loving God, but you can't love God without loving people. So Jesus said, make sure you get your priorities straight. Love God and love others. This is the great command. This is what God expects for us in our lives. And in that in that great command, in that great purpose, there is a mission. And the mission is actually a co-mission. It's a mission that he comes alongside of us and helps us accomplish. And that, um, that commission, that mission is declaring his message, is declaring the gospel. Beloved, we're not loving people or God well if we're not fulfilling the great commission. And some people think that, that, that being a good Christian is just going and doing good things and acting like a nice citizen. Listen, you can be a part of any religion and do that. The difference between Christianity and other religions is the message. It's the message. Yes, there's a lifestyle. We'll talk about that. But Mark 16, Matthew 28, this is the great commission that we advance, that we declare the message Jesus declared. And most of the time when we talk about the gospel, nowadays we're just talking about good, doing good things. Listen, if all we have is good things and we don't have the, the, the message of the gospel, then we failed in doing what Jesus called us to do. Acts 1.8, Acts 1.8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will get chill bumps, and you will fall on the floor, and you'll speak in tongues, and you'll have joy, and you'll run around the church house. What does it say? You will have power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. Notice, notice he doesn't say you will go witnessing. You will, go, you will organize an outreach. I have no problem with outreaches. No, he says you will be a witness. You will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, where they were at, in Judea, the region they were in, Samaria, and the whole world. And this is what the disciples did. In fact, did you know that that throughout the scriptures, that, that the whole known world in the scriptures was reached? They did this. How did they do this? By, by doing good things? They did good things. But read through the book of Acts. It wasn't just about feeding people. Was it just about clothing people? All of that is included. All of those are great works. The difference 
was the message. See, these guys weren't being imprisoned and martyred and transforming the world because they were, they were kind and nice and tolerant and compliant. They changed the world because of the message that they carried. And the message was Christ and Christ crucified and Christ resurrected and Christ the King. This is what makes you different, beloved. Because you can go to school and you can be raised well and behave properly. But God didn't call you to just be a good citizen. You've got to have that. Not minimizing that. I'm just saying we focus so much on the lifestyle, which you can't separate. And we've said, just shut up and be a good person and everybody will want to love Jesus. Well, look where that's got us. The disciples transformed the world because they were fearlessly declaring the gospel. This got them killed. This got them martyred. And this transformed the world. It is still transforming the world. It is our message that changes things. Be my witnesses. So witness, that word right there, is the same word with testify. It's the same root word. And that word is martus. That's where we get the word martyr. These people that were carrying forth the message were carrying forth the message in such a way that martyrdom was possible and they were okay with it. Because Jesus died, I'm not afraid. What if I preach the gospel and I die? This is how serious they were about carrying the message. And we've lost that. So the, let's talk about some terms. You okay? That first word is witness, right? Witness. When you think about witness in, in, in church, we think of witnesses. You, you go out and you do an outreach and you're out witnessing to people. You're telling people about Jesus, right? Not being a witness, but we're, we're doing witnessing, right? I did a lot of that when I first came to the Lord. We'd do these, we'd do these outreaches and we'd set up a, a you know, a flatbed trailer on the, the drag. Y'all know what a drag is where people just kind of cruise around. We'd preach at them, right? We, it was witnessing and people stopped. We'd share a story with them. It was witnessing. He called us more to, than, than, to, than to do witnessing, but to be witnesses. And that word witness is someone that bears the testimony to things seen, heard, transacted, or experienced. Have you experienced Jesus? Have you seen Jesus? Have you heard him? Have you encountered the Lord? Then you should be his witness. You witness to the fact that that has happened. A testimony. A testimony is this. A solemn statement made under oath or as part of a covenant. The verbal evidence. Verbal. Everybody say verbal. The verbal evidence of a witness by which something is affirmed to be true. Other words, Jesus touched my life and I'm talking about it. I'm not just talking about it. I'm living it out. But part of living it out is talking about it. Because if you're not talking about it, you're not living it out. And we'll talk a little bit about living it out next week. The word testify is a verb. It means to give testimony in a legal context. So these are all courtroom words, right? Yeah. Did you know that, 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 that's, that, that a witness is the best evidence in a court? Right. Yes. 
A witness is evidence. Beloved, you are the evidence of Jesus. See, we have the evidence of a changed life. Our lives have been marked. We have seen him. We've touched him. We've encountered him. And we're forever changed. You are the, where is the evidence of God? Right here in this room. This is the evidence. The evidence is I was going this way. I was dealing with this. And my life is different because I encountered a man. Not because I adopted a religion. Not because I started following a code. I followed a man who I encountered. So when we, we talk about Exodus, right? Exodus where it says, do not lie in the Ten Commandments. And we, we use that. We say, well, don't lie. It's a Ten Commandment. Really, the, the command is it not to lie. It's to give false testimony. Right? There's a, it's bigger than just lying. It's, it's, it's bearing a false testimony. I think there's people today I think there's people that would call themselves Christians that bear a false testimony because Jesus didn't really change their life. Maybe they just grew up in church. Maybe they just added Jesus on, but they're really bearing a false testimony. And listen, we live in an age right now that is full of false testimony. The, The things that we share on social media, we don't know it's true or not, but we'll risk false testimony to promote an agenda. Making statements about things that we have no reasonable evidence Listen, declaring false assumptions is dangerous business. So I've learned to just keep my mouth shut. If I don't know the person, if I don't know the situation, I just keep my mouth shut. I try not to have opinions about people I don't know personally. Well, I don't like them because the news said that. We all know that they're all sharing false testimony. So our testimony is important. And it's important that we're, we're, we're accurate in what we're testifying to. We have the evidence of a changed life. Check this out, John. Now, now John, I, listen, I believe this, and this is personal belief. I believe John the Beloved, who wrote the book of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John and Revelation. I believe John had more revelation on Jesus than anyone else. Because he didn't just, he didn't just live with Jesus and put his head on Jesus' chest, which... Nobody else did. But he was also like has this revelation that he has in the book of Revelation. We'll get into that in a moment. This is what he says in 1 John chapter 1. I mean, this guy was like transformed the world. They, he's the only, mar- only disciple that didn't die a martyr's death. He's the only witness. The original witness that didn't die a martyr's death or reject Jesus. The only one. They tried to kill him. They tried to boil him in oil. They tried to deep fry him. That didn't work. So they sent him to an island called Patmos, and that was a mistake because <laughs> he has another revelation of Jesus. First John chapter 1 says this. This is how he says it. This which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and touched with our hands. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. Then life appeared. The life appeared. <laughs> Isn't that good? We have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim it to you. The eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you may also have fellowship with us. He 
He's like, we, our fellowship, our common thread is the one that we've encountered. We proclaim to you that we have seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father. And our fellowship is with the Son, Jesus. We write this to make our joy complete. <laughs> I'm telling you, we're getting together. What are they doing? We're just talking about Jesus all the time. There are a lot of, get this, there are a lot of people that do not believe what John says. Wow. They don't believe that Jesus was God. That's not the Jesus of the Bible. There are a lot of people claiming to be Christians. They're following a different Jesus because they believe that Jesus wasn't God in the flesh. We have heard about Jesus. We've encountered Jesus. And now because of that, we share Jesus. This is what he's saying. And this is you. I've seen him. He touched me. We had a, a service and they, they were talking about joy and I've been dealing with stuff. And God, God touched me. Yeah. I love it. Go share it. Go share it. It's your story. I, I, I love Sarai's story so much because there's just so much joy when she's sharing. I'm just sharing that joy. Yeah. What is it? It's the joy of the Lord. It's the joy of fellowship. It's the joy of connection. Yeah. It's the power of a testimony. When we talk about the book of Revelation, I'm going to get into the book of Revelation today. Um, we, we've, we kind of like put it in this like abstract box, right? Because it's an apocalyptic book and it's mysterious and it's got all this stuff. Well, is that symbolism or is it not symbolism? Is it, you know, is it, it, it let me tell you this. Revelation, the book of Revelation is not about the Antichrist. The book of Revelation is not about the number of the, the, the number of the beast and the all this that's what we do oh just read about revelation have you ever read it i don't know what it talks about our it's funny you run into people all the time it's so funny i'm like have you ever read the bible like i've read revelation <laughs> i like dungeons and dragons and the book of revelation right this is so funny people are so funny <laughs> y'all know who i'm talking about but they miss the opening line of the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation isn't about the Antichrist. It's not about the mark of the beast. It's not primarily about the end times. It's the revelation of Jesus. The revelation of Jesus. Not the revelations of Jesus. Just the revelation of Jesus. Listen, don't just read the Gospels to find out who Jesus is. Read the book of Revelation. Because you'll see that he is a man with fire in his eyes. And he is a man that is serious about holiness. We're going to do a series later this year before the end of the year on those, on those seven churches. That'll be fun. But primarily, it's the revelation of Jesus and his interaction with his bride and a wedding. That's really what the book of Revelation is. So in Revelation chapter 12, by the way, let me just say this for you. I've got, I've got a, a deep revelation for you today. It's the best revelation you'll ever encounter. It's going to blow your mind. Some of you are like, all right, come on. Let's get out the crystals. Right. I don't know. Maybe. Sarah's like, like, I don't know. Some people, they're just like that. This is the greatest revelation you'll ever get. You ready? Ready? 
The greatest revelation you will ever have is Jesus. It's the greatest revelation. It's the deepest revelation. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. <laughs> Whoa, hold up. Where do I put that? <laughs> I don't know. Let's go for it. Let's, let's find it. <laughs> Revelation chapter 12. So I'm going to read it. Quit preaching it so we can get through this. And there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. Come on. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. See, some of y'all think it's a political party. It's the devil. He's the one that's deceiving people. This is why it's so important for you to be honest. Because if the devil can get you in a little lie, a little deception, he can have all of you. He's the father of lies. He knows how to manipulate. He will take a little white lie and get you all jacked up. Don't ever tell a lie. Be completely honest. It's the safest thing you can do is being completely honest. Who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven. Some translations say, I heard a shout from heaven. Say, now has come the salvation of the power of the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ for the accuser, Satan, of our brothers who accused them before our God day and night has been hurled down. He's saying, listen, it's all wrapping up. All, all this accusing, all this deceiving, it's wrapping up. And this is what it says. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb. Woo, come on. And by the word of their testimony. And then it says this, martyrs, they did not love their lives as much as to shrink from death. Other words, they weren't afraid to die. They weren't afraid to die because they were unashamed of the lamb that was slain. They were not ashamed of that. And they were not ashamed of what the lamb did to cleanse their robes. And the impact that they made in their life. Have you been living ashamed? Then no wonder the devil has his hooks in you. We need to ferociously declare what God has done in our life. The blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. I believe that heaven's announcement looks something like this. He says, look at what they did. With the blood of the lamb. They were not consumed with their own lives. They were consumed with Jesus. So much so that they did not love their lives. They weren't afraid of death. Their value for their own lives was so dim in comparison to Jesus and his kingdom. So much so that they were willing to give their lives to spread this message. The message of the transformational power of the lamb's blood. This is how they overcame. Look! Look now, look at the enemy who has been cast down by their passion and their zeal for Jesus and their proclamation of his work in their lives. They were willing to give their lives to spread this message, this message of the transformational power of the blood of the lamb. This is how they did it. 
This is how they overcame. How did they overcome? Because they had good worship services. Because they had killer coffee and nice people. No, we love all that. They overcame because of what Jesus did and their proclamation of it. This is how you defeat the devil. Some of y'all, some of y'all, all your news about the devil's bad news. The devil's doing this and the devil's doing that. You have lost your testimony. What about the blood of the lamb? What about what he's done in your life? I had this moment about two years ago with the with a spiritual son of mine, we were eating at a barbecue joint in Dallas. It's always glorious when you eat at a barbecue joint. And so we went to the to the, the car and we sat down and and I started talking to him and he was we were, he was just kind of talking about and I just went into my testimony, my personal testimony. I've known this guy for fifteen years, and he's weeping and I'm weeping. I'm, I, and I'm sharing the story that I share I've shared a thousand times, and we're just weeping. I never get tired of sharing what God has done in my life. I'm so grateful. They overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimonies. That word right there in the Greek language, that word overcame, overcome, is the word nikeo or nikeo. And that means to conquer or to overcome. I like this. To carry off the victory. <laughs> Are you an overcomer? Man, I'm just so defeated. When was the last time you shared your testimony with someone? I know that you worshiped hard in service. Me too. But I'm doing that because I'm so grateful for what Jesus did. But because my life mission is to share what Jesus has done in my life. It guards the way that I live. And every time I share it, I get messed up. I get a little misty. I get a little stirred. Get Holy Ghost goosebumps. It's awesome. I've never got away from my story. And what's awesome is God just keeps growing it. In, in just a fun little fact, Romans 8, where it says, we are more than conquerors. We are more than overcomers. Hypernakeo. Abundant victory. Listen, some of you are looking for victory in your self-discipline. The victory is in your story. Your victory is in what has already happened. There's that word. That's where we get the word Nike, by the way. They stole their brand from the Bible, from the Greek, the Greek word conqueror. I find it interesting that the only place that the enemy has is under our feet. <laughs> I'll pot all the Nikes and I'll spiritualize it. All right. They're not Nikes, they're Nikeo. <laughs> Shaba. All right. Are you speaking in tongues? No, I'm speaking Greek. All right. I'm probably saying it wrong too. Romans 16, 20 says this, the God of peace will soon crush Satan. Where? Under your feet. Not even under the feet of Christ. <laughs> under your feet. Under your feet. You're the overcomers. The blood of the lamb. Jesus did his work. And now you're doing yours. 
by how, but declaring what he did for you. See, the enemy wants to disarm you of your testimony because sharing your testimony keeps him underfoot. See, your story is a weapon. Your story is a weapon. When was the last time you used your weapon? When is the last time when you took somebody to lunch? We only have a 20-minute lunch break for work. When was the last time you took somebody from the office to lunch? Because you're blessed to be a blessing and you took them to lunch and you said, hey, I just want to share with you what happened to me when I was 18 years old. When was the last time that you've fellowshiped with someone and shared with them, not just hoping that they'll see this little light of mine, but declare the living flame of God? Satan is defeated, but listen, beloved, he is still fighting. I mean, at the end of the age, it will be the overcoming of our testimony. It will be that. You need to learn it now. And so, listen, he is underfoot, but he is gnawing at our heels. And every time you share your testimony, you're just pushing down a little harder. Crushing that skull. Crushing his authority. Crushing his, 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 his seat in your life. He, he, we know he's, he's that roaring lion, right? right? Seeking whom he may devour. But he's still, that lion is under your foot. But you can, oh, you say, what do, I, what, do I gotta, what do I gotta do? What program do I need to go through to get victory in my life? You know what program you need to get into? First of all, be cleansed by the blood of the lamb. If your robes have been clean. Yeah, they, I've been clean. I'm right with God. I, God's been doing a work in my life. When's the last time you told somebody about it? Because listen, the devil will do everything in hell to get you to not share what God has done in your life. He will do everything in hell to get you to shut up. And he will, get, he will do everything in hell to get you to compromise so what you say doesn't matter. Wow. 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 Why do you, why, you would, let me just be real honest. You know why I live with such deep conviction? It's not because everything that I do, I feel bad about it when I do it. It's because I don't want my testimony to be hindered. I want when, whenever I share my story, I don't want someone going, it doesn't look like Jesus made a difference in your life. And some of you, you got so much compromise in your life that you won't share your story because you know that your, your purity has already been tarnished. Well, I got to get my life cleaned up. How about you start seeing your, it is your job to declare the gospel. It's not my job to lead people to Jesus. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Guess who the Holy Spirit uses? You. My motivation for living holy isn't just to honor the Lord. It's to honor the work of the Lord that he's done in my heart. Be careful what you post. Some of you just do stuff to be funny and to be liked. And I'm like, man, it is hard to be a pastor in 2022 with social media. It's hard because I'm like, Holy Ghost, please convict them. Because if they were a little bit more concerned about their testimony, they wouldn't be sharing that. They wouldn't be talking that way. They wouldn't be acting that way. Well, it's a church. A church so judgmental. I was like, well, look at how you're acting. With unforgiveness and bitterness. Why would anybody want to be a part of the church when all you're ever doing is bashing it? Why would they want that? Has your robe been made clean? Can you just focus on that? What has Jesus done in your life? 
So if he can get you to be quiet, make poor lifestyle choices, because you won't see it as your job to lead other people to Christ, he wins. No, listen, I'm not calling you to be fake. I'm talking, calling you to be pure. What is our testimony? First of all, our testimony is, number one, the expression of our faith. We're going to focus on that next week. The evidence of a changed life. I'm drastically different than I was before I came to Jesus. Drastically. I didn't modify. I love what Pastor Nathan said earlier. It's not Josh Brown 2.0. It's a new creation. See, the enemy is not just as much, just as, just as concerned about how well you represent Jesus as he is about you blemishing the purity of your heart. He's just as concerned about the testimony that you carry and has been tarnished. He's just as concerned about that as he is about the purity of your heart. Number two is the proclamation of faith, which is what we've been talking about. What you believe about Jesus. Now listen, it's not just what Jesus did, but what do you believe about Jesus? Is he good? Is he kind? Is he faithful? Is he forgiving? Is he loving? Is he for us? That's the testimony of Jesus. Because there's people that have been given false testimony about Jesus. He's angry all the time. He's bitter. He's depressed about the state of the world. That's a false testimony about Jesus. Like he doesn't have all the authority or something. See, when you share your story, it's an act of gratitude, an act of worship, and an act of encouragement for yourself. See, when I share my story, what happens is, is I encourage myself in the Lord because I'm like, man, I, I kind of forgot about that part where, where God did this. That's your assignment this week. Your, your assignment is just share what God has done in your life with somebody. Share about how Jesus saved you, rescued you. This is the deal. You don't have to be a criminal to have a powerful testimony. <laughs> so you know, like, well, I don't have a powerful test. I was raised in church. I was a good little girl, and it was really good, and, you know, didn't listen to secular music, you know. <laughs> Wore a dress every time I swam or, you know, fully clothed. I don't know. Whatever it is, whatever it is that you think that you have to do to be a good person. I was just so perfect, right? And then I came to Jesus. It's like, well, maybe you didn't come to Jesus. We had this girl, she's dating this guy, not very long, praise the Lord. She, we were doing one of these outreaches, we were witnessing, we weren't being a witness, we were witnessing, we were being a witness, but we were witnessing also, and so we were having this event, and this, I don't know, I got up and I shared my testimony, I was like, man, God brought me from this, come on, everybody's like, ah, so good, so afterwards I came, I was like, are you going to share, are you going to share what Jesus did in my life, your, your, your life, oh no. She said, I just don't feel like I have a very powerful testimony. You know what she doesn't understand? She doesn't understand that until she responded to Jesus, that she was a sinner. That she was an enemy with God. That she was broken. That she was impure, even in her best efforts. I've just been a Christian all my life. It didn't work like that. You can't be a Christian your whole life. You got to be born again. Have you been born again? Listen, I'm going I'm to do my best to keep my kids pure, but they've got to have an encounter with the Lord. They've got to be born again. 
when I see your pure little babies, <laughs> like, Lord, Lord, would you rescue these little sinners, you know? <laughs> and he will. <laughs> little heathens. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just being serious. All right. Listen, we were all sinners, and now we're all saints if we're in Christ. You're just messed up and broken. How many of y'all were raised in church, and you, you didn't really know dark sin, but Jesus still got a hold of your life? Come on. Woo. Let me share with you my story. I've, sh- I've, shared, I've shared a lot of it, and I'll try to be fast because of time. In the 60s, my, my dad moved from Arkansas. His dad was a coal miner preacher. And they moved to West Texas, to Odessa, Texas, so he could work in the oil field. And my dad and his siblings, my dad was a senior in high school. And he met my mom. And they got pregnant. In those days, if you got pregnant, you got married. And, uh, and so they got married. And they lost a child, their first child. And then my brother was born. And then five years later, I was born. And then 10 months after that, my parents got divorced. And my mom raised us, a strong, independent woman, but she worked hard, man. She worked at convenience stores. She worked at a forklift company. She worked at bars at certain times to do whatever she could. My dad was sending child support, being as involved as he could as a weekend dad, as good as a weekend dad could be. And my dad, because of the way he was raised, he was still kind of going to church, still kind of playing the game. And when I was a little boy, my mom was raised Baptist and, and a, she would still say that she's a member of that church. I don't know the last time she went, but... You're, once you're a Baptist, you're always a Baptist. So I, uh, she told me, she said, if you'll just ask Jesus into your heart, you won't go to hell when you die. I was like, well, I definitely don't want to go to hell. So I was, I was like three years old. And I, was, and I said, Jesus, I don't want to go to hell. And I prayed that prayer every day because I knew that there was more to it than a little token prayer. I knew at that age, it probably wasn't three, it was probably four. And so because she was working all the time and we only saw our, our dad a couple times a month, we were wild boys. My brother started getting into trouble. I was getting into trouble, I was following him, I was five years behind, but I was, I was real close behind him in the trouble I was getting into. And my dad had gotten saved in the late 80s and started attending this church called Faith Tabernacle Assembly of God. And God really got a hold of him. My dad said, that's when I really got saved. And so he said, I, I, my boys need Jesus. And he had a, he, he had, he'd been remarried and they, they had some children and my dad really loved his boys. And man, we were getting in trouble. And I, I went to church a couple times. We weren't raised in church. We'd go to vacation Bible school or if we were with my dad on the weekend, we would, we would go sometimes. And my dad said, son, when I was 16, because I was, man, I was a, I was a heathen, I was such a little, little heathen, smoking dope and drinking and, you know, partying. As, if, if, if I could do it, if it was available, I was partaking. And he said, when I was 16 years old, he said, Josh, he said, if you will move in with me, I will help you get a car. And I was like, all right, sounds like a party. 
So I moved in with my dad and he said, if you're going to live in my house, you're going to live by my rules. You're going to be in church on Sunday morning. You're going to be in church on Sunday night. You're going to be in church on Wednesday. I was like, okay. And I didn't mind it because the people at church were, were nice. They were really kind to me. I found out that they were really nice. They were, a bunch of them were hypocrites, but they were, they were nice to me. They're just, just like the people in the world were. They were hypocrites too. They were, they, these people just, you know. You know what I found in that time is I found that sometimes you got to belong before you believe. <laughs> and they made, they, they made me feel like I was part of them. And so for two years in high school, I played the game. I went to church. I'd lift my hands during worship. I'd respond to altar calls. I would go to youth camp and youth trips. And I had all these people at school thinking I was a Christian. When I was at school, I was smoking dope at lunch, hanging out like I always did. And then I found, then my sins changed because I got a girlfriend. Met her at church camp. Come on. I had it all worked out. I had both lives. I had my school life, my party life that I never left. And I added on this good life at church with my friends and Jesus. And so we're having this thing. There's this guy named Tony Dennis who's ministering to me and trying to get all of my heart. I've got everybody around me fooled that I'm a Christian. And one night we're cruising the drag in Odessa. This is just where you drive cars around. This was social media in the 90s. So we would cruise around the drag in Odessa. It was a drag. And there's some girls had visited our, our youth group, Youth Explosion. <laughs> yeah, great name. And so we were like, we were cruising around and I had my, my car that my dad helped me get. I had to get a job and do all these other things. And she goes, she's laughing. She's giggling in the back and she prophesies to me. She says, Josh, <laughs> you're totally different than you are at church. Boom. You talk about weight on my heart. I was like, I'm one of them. I'm a hypocrite. So a couple weeks later, I'm out partying with my friends. It didn't change me yet. I was, I was carrying it, man. I, we, we, I just went through a very difficult time. My girlfriend of a year and a half had moved away. Our youth pastor had read a, read a letter to the church having to resign because he, he had got into some sin when he was in college and, and he, he left and he was really sick and eventually died. And so I'm heartbroken. I'm dealing with all this stuff. So as soon as my girlfriend moves away, I die back into partying like hardcore. And so my friend, one night I pull up at the house at 11 o'clock. We've been out drinking that night. And he pulls up in his brand new truck. He just got it. Brand new Toyota. And he pulls up and he gets out slumbering drunk. And he's like, bro, I wrecked my truck. And I looked at his truck and he wrecked his truck, his brand new truck. And he was like sober, like he was so slobbering drunk. And I was like, man, I, I gotta be inside or I'm gonna get in trouble. I was like, but I gotta help my friend. So I took him and he had, he was like puking and I was taking care of him. So I called my dad and I said, hey dad, I'm running a little bit late. I'm helping out. He's like, what are you doing? Like he knew I was up to something. I've been hiding so long. And so that next day he woke me up and he grounded me for a month. And I had all this weight. I had all this pain of dealing with these relationships that were no longer in my life. I had this, this, this girl telling me that I was a hypocrite. Well, she didn't mean anything by it, but it was the word of the Lord from her. 
and I'm confined to my room for a month. No cell phones. I had my own line, <laughs> but no cell phones. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. And my, my girlfriend who had, who had moved away had, had purchased me a Bible that, that Christmas, a new international Bible. I still have it. And I remember I'd go into my, why y'all laughing? I do still have that Bible, maybe. All right. I got a lot of history there, baby. Good, good history with the Bible. <laughs> with the Bible, with the Bible. So this is what I would do for a month. You're getting yourself in trouble. So every night this month, we'll say it was April, 29 years ago. open up that Bible and read it. And I had a, we had these, used to have these devices called Walkmans. They had a thing called a cassette tape. It was kind of like a, like a Spotify on your phone, but it was physical. And they had this tape. My dad was the worship leader at the church. The song leader is what they used to call him. And he would get all these tapes sent to him every month. And so there was a tape called The Secret Place by this guy named Kent Henry, Hosanna Integrity Worship. And I would put that tape in that little box that held tape to Walkman, and I'd put my headphones on, and I'd read the Bible. And I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I know I've been playing games, and I know I've told you this a hundred times, but I want to know who you are. Not from what some preacher said at camp, not because I felt some moment, and for a month, I started reading my Bible. I started praying. I didn't have anything else to do. I was like, I'm going to find out who you are. And I was born again. And Jesus totally transformed my life. I came out of that month of being grounded. I never drank again. Never smoked dope again or my friends at lunch. Never had premarital sex again. I'm not saying that those things are the things that saved me, but I, my life was different. I was totally transformed. I was the same as I was at church, as I was at school. I started sharing my life. God called me into ministry. I had visions of the Lord. I had deep encounters with the Lord. You know what I've been doing ever since then? 29 years ago, you know what I've been doing? Every day, I get alone with the Lord. And I pull out a Bible. And I pull out something to write on. And I set my attention and I set my affection on the Lord and I say, Lord, show me who you are. And I've been doing it for 29 years and it's never been boring. I'm here to tell you today, this is my testimony and I'm adding the years up. I'm going for like 60 years in this thing. I'm gonna share the same story in 30 years. And it's going to be almost 60 years. And the story's going to be, I started looking for Jesus and I found him. I found him. He was right there in my bedroom. And I was having visitations with the Lord. I'm beloved. I'm telling you, my heart has burned fervently for the Lord for 29 years. And it's not because I'm so disciplined. It's because I fell in love with a man. It's because I encountered him. 
They haven't been perfect. They haven't made a lot of mistakes. There's been a lot of rough things happening. It hasn't just been fields of roses and rainbows. But I'm telling you that Jesus marked my life. And it was totally different. I'm, te- I'm telling you that you can love Jesus for more than just a couple of days after a good church service. You can, you can love Jesus for longer than a couple of weeks after a camp experience. I'm telling you, you can love Jesus for decades. Beloved, we are going to be loving Jesus for millions of years. We're going to be looking at him and we're going to be going, who are you? Jesus for so long? How have you done it for so long? Because I just do the same thing that I did in in my bedroom. I read my Bible and I pray every day. And I worship my guts out every time I can. Every time I can. I I wish I could move like I did 30 years ago. (laughs) But there's one other thing that I've consistently done. I've shared my faith. I've told people about my bedroom. I've told people about the girl calling me out that didn't know she was calling me out. I've told the people about my drunk friend and being grounded. I've told the people about being at a youth camp and surrounded by young people and God speaking to me and saying, you're gonna do this forever. Because nothing will keep your fire burning like sharing what God has done and what God is doing. An encounter changes everything. I'm not that disciplined. How do you get up every day? Because I realize that that sometimes I skip those days and life isn't as good. Josh Brown isn't as good. I'm not experiencing life. I get a little more depressed. Things impact me a little bit more. I'm more irritable with my kids. I'm always going to start there. You say, man, pastor, I'm just going through a hard time. Have you been in your word? Have you been praying? I'm not accusing you. I'm just saying that start there. Will you stand? Oh, man. I'm so glad. Lord, I'm so grateful you saved me. Uh, 18-year-old pothead Josh Brown. I'm so glad that you visited me. That you didn't leave me alone. Lord, even when I resisted you so many times. I'm so grateful, Lord. I'm so grateful you took one who was your enemy and you made him your friend. That you took someone that was a sinner and you made him a saint. took someone that was separated from you and you made him a son. I'm so grateful, Lord. Thank you for saving me. Will you just tell him that? Oh. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for saving me. Some of you, you need to be saved. You need to be rescued. You need to be born again. 
maybe like many of us, maybe you've kind of adopted church and you've adopted a Christian lifestyle, but you've never been adopted into the family of God because you've never been born again. Listen, this encounter will change everything. Changed a loud mouth fisherman named Simon to a rock named Peter. It took a Christian persecuting Pharisee named Saul and turned him into Paul. Took a doubting skeptic named Thomas and turned him into a missionary revivalist who was willing to die for his faith almost 3,000 miles away from where he started. Listen, Jesus will change everything.